Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You with Kathy and Meredith. That's us. And over the course of our careers, we've worked with thousands of teenagers and their parents. Teens are really hard to understand, and there's a lot going on for them right now. The good news is is that we speak teen, and we're going to help you out. On this show, we're going to talk about all things teen-related. We're going to pull back the curtain on what they're really thinking, from what's going on inside their minds, to addressing problematic behaviors, to applying to college. And we're going to help you become better parents along the way. Good morning. Hi, Kathy. Good morning, Sunshine. How are you? Good morning light of my life. Um, I'm great. How are you? I'm tired. You tie tie? It's it's November. I'm tired. It's November. It's It's a busy time. Mm -hmm. Busy time in the life of the teenager. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. So today I'm really excited to talk about our topic today because we're going to focus on like what actually is a teenager, this mysterious (laughs) creature that you know, invades people's homes for several years. I was titling this episode and I was like, teenage mutant teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) They are kind of like little mutant, mutant things sometimes. Would you go back? I was like seeing. (laughs) I think that's, I think we just found the title of this episode. Would you, um, (laughs) if given a choice, would you choose to be a teenager again? I really loved my teenage years in a lot of ways and it was also incredibly challenging and painful in many ways so it's a mixed bag yes there are parts of my teenage years i'd love to live over with an adult brain Mm. you know but maybe it wouldn't have been as fun (laughs) yeah 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 i would absolutely not no (laughs) hard no (laughs) okay good to know no. See, I I had no prefrontal cortex when I was a teenager, so therefore, you know, well, like, you same. know, I didn't have any fear. <laughs> so it's, it's oh, yeah. just all seemed like fun to me. Whereas I think for me, my lack of, you know, my, the the front part of my brain being dark was more about no regulation, right, in terms of like feelings or how to cope mm. or coping strategies. Mm-hmm. So anyway, parents, <laughs> I wonder. Ask yourself that lot. question as as you're listening. If you would go back and be a teenager, when I used to give presentations to, you know, a room full of 200 parents, I would only get about two hands raised that said they would go back to being a teenager. And, you know, and I think part of it is because for most folks, their experience being a teenager kind of resembles what you and I just said. Like it was volatile. There was ups and downs. There were you know, peaks and valleys to say the least. And so what today we want to talk about is, is that stuff and why, like, why is that such a, such a stereotype of adolescence, that volatility or that, you know, kind of like confusion, confusion. Yeah. Confusion. And you know why your teenager, if you have a teen at home, And let's be clear, when I say teen, what that really means is a phase of development in the lifespan that starts at around 10, 11, kind of the onset of puberty. And parents, (laughs) this might be, brace yourselves, it's not going to end until like you're the mid-20s. So you're in it for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is funny. It's It's funny you say that because I have friends with tweens who are like, wait, why do I have a teenager oh, yeah. already? I'm like, well, because, and then I have friends with 20 year olds who are like, why do I still have a teenager? I'm like, because. Right. So it's, it's not it's addiction not, issue. Not the the yeah. word teen doesn't actually need to be in their age for, for them teen, to be a teenager, right. you know, an adolescent. 15 so, to 18, 19. Yeah. 
So what we wanted to do is ex- is help offer a little perspective on what it means to be an adolescent. Like, what does it actually mean developmentally? Because a lot of the stuff that we hear from parents is they're not understanding why their kid is thinking the way they're thinking or behaving the way they're behaving. And if you can kind of begin to understand adolescent development a little bit better, it it's not that it will automatically make you relate. It won't. You're still going to think your child is acting a fool sometimes, but it will help you hopefully be less aggravated <laughs> because to some degree they hopefully. can't help it, right? Hopefully, hopefully. So yeah, is in the same way that you won't get upset at a baby who's like six months old and trying to crawl or trying to, you know, put, pull themselves up to stand up there's a developmental sort of timeline for those milestones. And that is also true of adolescence. So outside of birth to one year old, Mm -hmm. the period of adolescence and the lifespan is like the most rapid change is happening right now. Like it's a hot mess in adolescence. The developmental changes are intense. They're big and they're happening on all fronts, physically, cognitively, emotionally, psychologically, neurologically. And that's happening for years. So I think that's really important. You know, those like, you know, when you drive by car dealerships yes. and you have the- And those, those like, like wonky things? Those like wonky Wla- wacky inflatable flappers. things that are like, <laughs> like waving in the breeze. Wacky. Yeah, wacky that's flappers. How, that's, to me, that's like my image of a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like to, no control of most your bodily- your- <laughs> Yeah, like poor motor control. Yeah, (laughs) poor cognitive control. Yeah, trying really hard. You know, we're trying. Yeah, let's talk. Well, let's talk development, right? So, I think for a lot of parents, you know, there is no handbook when it comes to parenting, and so a lot of parents are, and it's really easy to forget our own teenage years. As, you know, we rarely reflect on what was challenging for us. We become an adult, we get an adult brain, and we're just like, life is easy, right? It's not so hard, but we forget like what was so hard for us as a teenager. So let's talk a little bit about the brain and what's going on with that prefrontal cortex. You and I have talked about that a lot already. What are those things and why yeah. do they matter so much? And I think I remember going to a presentation like midway through my educational career on adolescent brain development. And it really blew my mind. Like I had never mm-hmm. gone to a talk where we learned about the adolescent brain. So I was just like, whoa, this explains so much about myself and the kids that I work with. <laughs> right. Totally. So let's talk about it. Talk about that a little bit. I talk about the prefrontal cortex all the time. And that's the part of the brain that makes us regulate ourselves, right? It's like such an important part of the brain. It's like you think about, you know, planning for the future, consequences, you know, right. All of that stuff lives in the front of the brain. And it also differentiates between genders as well, right? The, the, the rate of growth that you see. And so a lot of the, the behavior that you see, and I don't want to overgeneralize what the difference between boys and girls are in terms of brain development, but sure, I think sure. what we hear anecdotally, for sure, and I think if we looked at the research, it would tell us that too, tell, tell us this too, is that like, you're like, wow, my girl is so organized and right. 
you know, she uses her planner and she's planning right. for college in seventh grade. <laughs> and my boy is just like, uh, do you have to, do you have any nachos? <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Seriously. We're, what video games, right. you know? But I think like the the prefrontal cortex, you know, the the term that people probably are a little bit more familiar with is like executive function and what we mean by executive function skills, like planning, decision making, but even things related to learning and memory. A lot of that is if there was a sign hanging over an adolescent, it would be under construction, you know, right? Like they're just under construction. That's those neural pathways are developing which is part of why it's so important to consider and pay attention as parents to like what is being reinforced and what isn't being reinforced. And it's also why like under stress, I mean, I wonder, I bet a lot of parents can relate to the experience. I think you you and I could probably relate where we were working with a student. Everything's honky-dory. Life is going well. And, you know, we might meet with them on a Tuesday. We might meet with them two days later and something has happened. And all of a sudden, like, it's a disaster. Like the bottom has fallen out. Like all or nothing thinking, just like, oh my God, my life is ruined. So that really like mature kid that showed up on Tuesday is all of a sudden really kind of regressing on Thursday, you know, two days later. So do you want to talk a little bit about kind of like the back part of your brain and the amygdala and the sort of more primitive parts of the brain that are a little, they're a little overactive. They're not regulated in the same way as adults in adolescence, right? Absolutely. So I feel like when parents come to us, they're oftentimes frustrated and wanting to know like, what is going on with my teenager? And the things that they're noticing is like, why is my teen pushing back on me? Why? Like literally Mm -hmm. there isn't anything I can say to them that they'll say yes to. It's like an automatic no, right? Anything. And then somebody else will recommend it. And their teen's like, oh, that's a good idea. (laughs) And you're like, hello, I just told you that last week, you know, literally said Uh, those words. Yeah, exactly. And the the expression like, well, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? <laughs> you know, that that is like yes. this kind of like <laughs> lemming, this lemming mentality, right? That you see teenagers mm-hmm. take on. And that's all because of all the stuff that we talked about before, right? They want to have friends, they want to be accepted, they want to be like everybody else, right? And so yeah, you do yeah. see you do see a lot of this, what drives them. The central question that adolescents, that your teen, like their existential imperative as a teenager, and this is really important to know, is how do I fit in? That is what they are wired to consider, which means you're going to notice like, as Kathy mentioned, their peers and people who basically just aren't you (laughs) begin to take outsized importance. Absolutely. And they will listen to their friends. And all the research shows that. Like when it comes to college process, we work with a lot of teens on college process. Like the number one influencer for teenagers on where they apply to college and how they go apply for college is friends. (laughs) It's like, oh, well, my friend went to school there or my friend is applying there and therefore I will apply there, right? In some ways, it can be good, right? If you have friends who are a really positive influence or really challenging you to reach and strive. That's cool. 
right? And then sometimes it's it's a mistake because what we hear all the time, like when it, I'll have a teen freak out on me. I don't know if this happens to you, Meredith. Oh my God, my friend just told me that in order to get into the school, I had to right. do the summer program and I didn't do it. Right. <laughs> and you're like, uh, and now, not oh, I will never get into a college. Yeah, not not facts, not facts at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the other really important thing to understand is that for parents is your child is trying to figure out they're in a really like important stage of identity construction. So they're trying to figure out like who they're going to be in the world. Right. So one of the things that parents often talk to us about is, you know, the sort of some of the inexplicable behavior with their kid, like risk-taking behavior or like experimental behavior. And that could be around like relationships or drugs or whatever. And I think what's important to know is that like kids are trying things on for size in adolescence to see what does or does not conform to a value system that they're developing, right? So that's why the influences around them, the habits they do or do not reinforce become really essential to pay attention to because they are, they're trying to figure it out. Like now, if you use your adult mind, you're like, okay, dumb bunny. Like I could have told you that that was like not a wise (laughs) move to like start that history research paper the night before, but there's a part of them and it's, it's not, you know, but again, if you kind of recognize, okay, executive function, not great right now. And they're trying to see, like, they're trying to like flex their muscles in different ways to see what works and what doesn't. And that happens academically, certainly happens socially. Right. And that's like why that's like that stereotype of like teens take a lot of risks. It's coming from this place of they're trying things on for size. They're trying to figure out who they are separate from their primary caregivers, like right. the values and morals that-, that like you all taught them. Like, do they like those? They're questioning those. They're pushing back on those. They're, you know, so it's, it's a little, I think for parents, it can be experienced as like, who is this alien child that I gave birth to like in down the hallway? You know, they're like, cause sometimes don't recognize their own kid. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, so important for parents to remember and it's so hard not to take it personally I'd imagine Mm -hmm. like this Mm -hmm. child who was my little angel who was like yes mommy ever wanted to do everything like mommy or wanted to do everything with daddy you know it's like all of a sudden with us all the time yeah wanted to hang with us wanted to hold him wanted to spend time with us and now all of a sudden is pushing back and doesn't want and it's just a normal part of growing up. It's like, and and that's yeah. not to say every single teenager is that way. There are certain teenagers. I mean, you have a very special snowflake of a child who <laughs> who can just be like all through their adolescent development. They're close. They feel close to you. They feel like they don't need to push back. Right. That's pretty right. rare. It does yeah. happen, but yeah. for the vast majority of teens like they just need to be their own person and part of figuring that out means saying no or disagreeing with you just for the sake of disagreeing with you like Meredith said to try it on just to be like what does this feel like Mm. yeah and I think they're encoding right like early on that's just going to look like rebellion but by the time they're in later stages of adolescence you know 17 18 19 they are actually really like solidifying some identity and solidifying some values. And that's why Kathy and I talk a lot about in our coaching work, we are constantly talking about values. You know, what do you care about? Like what matters to you? And I think, you know, it kind of leads us to, I, I think all of these behaviors, you know, the developmental realities and the sort of behaviors that parents are noticing, it really begs the question, okay, all right, fine. Got it. Accept that, Meredith and Kathy. Thank now you. What? But like, what do we yeah. do? 
You know, yeah. <laughs> like thanks so much for pointing out the obvious. But what do we? Thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks for pointing out all the things that really upset me and stress me out <laughs> and make my job as a parent really challenging. Sorry. Really well, hard. we're just telling. We're we're putting it out there too because like we know we work with so many families. We in the yeah. you know just in our careers like this is just what we've seen year after year. This you are not alone. So mostly saying this to be like your teenager is not a mutant. Right. They're just a teenager. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're a sort of a mutant, but like, <laughs> I think, but I think what, what Kathy and I are trying to do is normalize certain ab, what you, what may be experienced as aberrant behavior in your home, especially if you have like one kid, two kids, you know, we've worked with thousands of kids. Right. And so we're able to sort of discern some patterns and trends here that we, you know, think are really important to share. So in terms of like, there is a lot for parents to do. I mean, what is often the best thing that parents can do in adolescence is to sort of both figuratively and sometimes literally sit on your hands. Like one of the things that I think can be so challenging for parents is they, you know, they've largely up to that point, their role as a parent has been really about kind of guiding and controlling who their kids hang out with. And you know, what, what they're doing and what kind of activities they're involved in and who are their friends are. And, and children are, of course, very dependent on their parents for all of those things. You have to literally drive them places. And now all of a sudden, the locus of control starts to shift and that can be so disruptive. And for parents, I think one of the, I think if I had one enormous piece of advice for parents, it would be to recognize when you are activated and to manage your own anxiety around these transitional moments and model how to stay kind of like emotionally constant in these volatile moments because your teenagers are working hard to get a rise out of you. And it is very satisfying to them when they, when they are successful. (laughs) So it requires a lot of that internal work, right? Like they're going to be provocative and evocative on purpose. And it's good to just know that and, and develop your own kind of plan around that. Let's talk about that for a second, though, because I think it's like for you and me who do so much work around, you know, we've spent so much time developing these skills and regulate like being like teenagers. Also, when you work in a high school and you're an adult in a high school, guess what? Teenagers push back on you, too. Right. Like we we are the parents at school. So like we get poked at all day long. Right. And all day long. Kids are all, yeah, they're always going to, the provocative, evocative, you know, all that stuff. They're provoking, they're evoking, <laughs> they're doing all the things. And one of the things that we have to do as educators is we have to respond in a way that feels, that feels productive, that we can turn something that could be what could have been a conflict into a, a, a learning moment. Right. So like a learning opportunity. So how do you, as a parent, you know, do that? How do you manage your own anxiety? What do you do when you a teen, when you feel like a teen is like pushing and challenging you? It's very challenging, um, but I, this is where I think boundaries are really important. Both you as a parent having your own boundaries with your children and, and making sure that the rules in your home, and there should be rules, and those boundaries are clear. You know, is it okay? You know, what time can someone come home? Are there chores that need to be done? 
what is the expectation for sort of contributing to the family? Like simply because a student, you know, an adolescent is in sort of this rapid change of development, which, you know, can lead to some of this volatile behavior doesn't mean that they can get to like run wild with it. So I think for parents, one of the things that's really important is to create pretty, pretty hard and fast boundaries and to make those knowable. Nothing will piss off a teenager more than surprising them with some rule that they, they didn't understand in, in advance. You know, teenagers are sort of wired to be a little bit like a little self-righteous. They have sort of a strong and kind of concrete sense of justice. So know those things in advance, make them clear to the students. Now, expect pushback around that. They are absolutely not going to like it. They may slam a door. They may yell at you. They may huff and puff. They may give you the silent treatment. So I would just ask parents, okay, when you are stressed in other parts of your life or activated in other parts of your life, whether at work or, you know, with a partner or with a friend, you know, what are the sort of self-care habits you have that help you take care of you? Because that will make you feel better as a parent if you're showing up in ways and modeling in these sort of high stress moments, how to move through them. Because one of the things that you're doing is modeling resilience, right? How do you move, sit with uncomfortable feelings, not necessarily let those feelings just run you and then find creative, productive solutions. That is part of your work as a parent. And it's it's hard work. I don't want to, it sounds easy to say, but it's stressful and it's hard. And, and you know what? You're going to mess it up. You're going to like pop off on your kid and that's okay. Because that's also part of life. Like they, everybody learning how to recover in those moments is really important. I would also say, you know, when I, when I think about the, the hard moments that I have with teenagers, like when they're really, they're not regulated and they're having a hard time and they're, you know, treating me in a way that I feel is disrespectful or I feel is inappropriate. Like a lot of times I'll just name how they're making me feel and like what I see. Right. And just be like, you know what? I really feel disrespected right now. And Mm -hmm. this conversation doesn't feel productive. Like, I like you and I think we have a good relationship, but this is not helpful. And quite frankly, I think you're being kind of mean. (laughs) Like, I think it's okay to tell a kid when they're pushing too hard. Like, you know what? You're, you're kind of being mean and this is not how I want to have this conversation. And I know that's really hard. I think as parents, like our natural, our natural, uh, I'm not a parent, (laughs) I think I feel like a parent a lot of times, but I think our natural uh, instinct is to just give it back, right? Like whatever attitude you're getting, you're just going to actually mirror it back to your kid. And in that moment, we are modeling something that we actually don't want our kids to do. So how do we like name it and just like step out of your personal emotion and just like notice like what's going on right now? I think it's a like a, a great skill to develop in the mo- meditation. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say we'll do a it's it's a mind it's a mindful moment. I think I think yeah, we'll is. we'll do a we'll do a whole episode on communication strategies and those kinds of moments, and particularly like nonviolent communication and how do you practice that? Because I think that can be a really useful toolkit to draw upon in those moments. You know, the other thing I was sort of thinking about is. One of the things that I think can be so difficult as a parent is to watch your child make decisions 
And sometimes those are low stakes and sometimes those are high stakes or you perceive them as high stakes decisions that you believe in all of your wisdom are not in your child's best interest, right? Maybe they're deciding to leave a sport that they've played for years and years, or maybe they decided that they don't want to take this advanced kind of set of courses in their high school. And that's making you worry as a parent for their future or what the impact or consequences will be. Or maybe you know that they haven't been studying at all for their final in their Spanish class and every part of every fiber in your being wants to go into their room, wants to like get after them about it, wants to make them show you the schedule they're going to do to study and what the plan is. And so it's hard, I think. So those moments happen all the time for parents. And in those moments, I would say, and I think Kathy, you would agree, your job is to support, not rescue. Your kid forgets their soccer cleats. Tell you what, do not run them to the school. They will not forget it again, right? They fail a test because they didn't prepare well, right? Your job in that moment isn't to berate them, but to help them come up with a new strategy moving forward, to be a sounding board, to ask a lot of open-ended questions, which again, requires you to practice that mindfulness so you're not super activated when you're in that conversation, which will, you know, because if you are, it will only backfire. Adolescents will definitely sort of reject that. Let me get, let me, let me throw this out to you, Meredith. This is like a real life scenario that just came up actually with one of my families. So I have a conversation with the dad who was like, our daughter was not prepared for that. They spent all weekend. It was Halloween weekend and it was homecoming and blah, 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 blah. There was lots of stuff going on. And she had a big test on Monday that she did not feel prepared for when Monday came around. And in the morning Mm -hmm. she came to us and said, can I skip first period? Because I'm, I'm not ready for my test. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? And I'll tell you what this parent did, but I I would, I'm curious, I'm going to put you on the spot. Like, what do you, what would you say to that parent if you were coaching that parent? If I were coaching that parent, if I had a good relationship with that parent and we could joke around, I'd say under like, hell no, she can skip period. Absolutely not. What's the educator instinct is hell no. Right. Yeah. So as a parent, I would say, you know, your job in that moment is to help your child move through the uncomfortable feelings that they are obviously trying to avoid by staying home during first period and support them and say, I know this probably feels hard. I know you're probably like nervous about talking to your teacher or nervous about taking this assessment, whatever it is. But it's my worst grade. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be the kid right now. Okay. But it's my worst grade. And I, I can't, it's my only AP class and I'm already mm-hmm. getting a B in this class. And if I, if I fail this test, it could drop to like a B minus and it's, we're already mid quarter. It's already the quarter. And you know, I only have one quarter left to bring up my grade. What I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that sounds really stressful. I can understand why you're super stressed and the solution to that, to solving that stress and making that stress go away ultimately is not to stay home during first period. These were choices you made. And choices have natural consequences. And how can I support you as we figure out and brainstorm ways to do better in this class? So I think for parents, you have to, you can't Good job, get- Meredith. Thanks. <laughs> good, good job. Good job, mommy Meredith. No problem. <laughs> Thank like you. That. 
I mean, because <laughs> what 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 will happen is kids are going to try and get you stuck. They're going to try and get you stuck in that, like, in their um, emotional distress, right? Like, Kathy's playing the role of the student. She's like, but this is my worst grade, and da 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 da, da. And they are going to pull on those heartstrings. And you don't want your kid to have bad grades. You don't want your kid to not do well in that class. But they will not learn. They have to learn how to move through these moments because this is the stuff of life, right? And so what we're trying to do is you got to be, your aperture has to be wider than just that test on that day in first period. It has to be more about building life skills, building sort of this intrinsic sense of capacity so that when that child faces another setback, another moment of difficulty, another moment where they didn't quite do what they needed to do, they have a tools they can utilize to actually help them solve the problem. You're not solving the problem for them by letting them get out of something. Right. So that's what, well, that's what I would do. Yeah. Well, that's what I would do. Well, I would just, that's what I would do. Yes. And they'd be pissed at I me. Mean, they would be pissed at me probably. And that's well, okay. and I think that's the thing, right? And I think that's the thing. It's like, you are, I see a lot of parents who are scared of their kids' reactions. Like they are, they don't want to be disliked by their right. kid. They don't want to be the person who causes them stress because in that moment, you're the one who's causing them stress and anxiety, not the test, right? Like if you would just let me off the hook, like everything would be okay. Now it's your fault. And no, I think reiterating, no, this is, this is your fault, not mine. Absolutely your <laughs> and, fault. <laughs> yeah. And your responsibility in our expectation is that you go to school unless there's a reason like you are sick and you need, you will spread germs and you like really right. truly can't be in school. Like these are, these are the, this is like hearkening back to what Meredith was saying earlier about like being very clear about your expectations, being clear about your values. I always values. tell parents that I'm like, please Character. be clear about what your values are as a family and make decisions based yeah. around those values. And I'll just put in a shameless plug. If you don't know what your values are, we're going to put a link to a card deck game that you could play where you can actually clarify your values as a family and as individuals. But I think a lot of parents, they're not sure what their top three parenting values or family values are, right? You have a general yeah. sense of them, but be very clear about it and get explicit about it. And I think the more explicit you can get about it, it's easier to, in these moments, to like look back on those values and make those decisions, right? And- right. It's, it's really tricky too, because I think parents also sometimes like you would like to have all the things, right? You would like to have a beautiful, lovely, peaceful relationship with your teenager. <laughs> and you would like your teenager to make the best choices for themselves. And right. you would like them to be and, high achieving and you would like <laughs> right. them to be kind and caring. Like yeah. it's, you, you can't, yeah, yeah, it's very hard to have all of that and no conflict. And by the way, you're wanting that, which is understandable because it's part of what it's part of like wanting the best for your child. But even though they, you may not notice this, your teens are watching you closely and that can be read and experienced as tremendous pressure. And one of the ways right. that I notice this show up actually not infrequently, and I think this is something for parents to be very careful around if you have more than one kid or like, let's say your child's really close with their cousins, right? To not compare a student's experience or what someone is doing in their sophomore year with like what their older sister did. I work with a lot of students who, you know, and it's not intentional. It's not, it's not done with any kind of malintent. It's like, well, so-and-so was able to, you know, 
take this class and be okay. And they just talk to their teacher more. I don't understand why you're having such a hard time, you know, minimizing the experience that an adolescent is going through by comparing it to the experience of another adolescent will not go over well. That will not work. And I think what Kathy's trying to say is recognize that you're not going to get all the things all the time with adolescents. And that's actually a good thing because it means that they'll probably make mistakes. It means that they'll encounter setbacks. And our job as sort of adult role models is to model how you move through those moments from a value-centered place to not only help them, right? Like that kid who is missing their whatever, first wants to miss the first period. It's like, yeah, we want them to be successful in the class and that's a level of support. But like, what's the character building moment there, right? How are we attuned to like the ways in which we're helping develop character? You know, and that's just something that I know Kathy and I care about so much, right? That's the stuff that like in the long run matters. Right. I mean, it, that's we care about it because we know like when it comes to what what parents really want for their kids is they want happy and healthy adults, 40 and 50 year olds, not just like happy and healthy 18 year olds, right? Like, yeah, if or not like a kid who gets an kid, a in AP US history, you know, like that's not the long game is not nobody cares about that in the long game. Right. But it's easy to forget when you're when you're hyper focused on achievement or hyper focused on getting into that really prestigious college. And, you know, if you have not listened to our show before, Meredith and I come from our, our backgrounds in education. We work with populations of students who are high achieving and oftentimes families who are seeking, you know, prestige, to put it bluntly. But that's yeah, the facts. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think that it's so when you hear us talk, you're like some some parents out there are like, well, I don't actually I just would be happy if my kid would go to class every day. You know, like I understand that there's different levels of challenges for sure as parents. But I think that in the long run, what every parent wants for their kid is for them to be successful adults down the road. Right. And that character stuff, I mean, you can't fake it. You can't game it. <laughs> you can't game you it. Can't, you, there's no there's no shortcuts to it. I think that's like there's no shortcut to character. Of, you can't talk about it enough, right? Like I used to drive my students crazy. They're like, "Yes, Meredith, we get it. Kindness, kind." I was like, yeah, "That's right, yeah. friends." <laughs> you know, humility, <laughs> kindness. Good. It's good, and you know what? It sticks because the sort of part of adolescent development we didn't share with you is because they're in such this rapid stage, they're malleable. So what you reinforce sticks, right? And, you know, I don't know, I'm just zooming out. I'm sort of thinking about the last five, 10 minutes of, of what we've been talking about and imagining myself in sort of this parent role and just wanting to also offer parents like a lot of empathy for this experience. It's not easy. As Kathy said, there's not a manual and you're going to make mistakes too. And that's okay because we all do in our in our interactions with other humans because humans are complex. Adolescents in some ways more so because they're so unsure of who they are and figuring that out. So I, I would just offer also like for parents to sort of develop a good support system for you as a parent. And what I mean by that is like looking to other parents who sort of share values with you, kind of emphasize character, you know, educate yourself about adolescent development. And we can certainly, we'll definitely after this episode, um, put up some some links to some resources that Kathy and I really like. And just know that you're doing the best that you can. And hopefully some yeah. of the material that we've shared today has given you some context for what your child is going through and sort of some some hot tips, hot takes on 
just some guidelines for how you as a parent can manage this period of time. But stay tuned for future episodes where we'll kind of take a deeper dive into things like communication strategies, boundary setting. You know, those are those are not necessarily those are those are whole episodes unto themselves. Kathy, I don't know. What do you think? Any other final thoughts? Here's my final thought, I think, you know, is just that if you you can't control your teenager, even though you want to. And trust me, we work with teenagers and sometimes we want to control teenagers and we want them to do the things that we want them to do. We're like, no, no, this is clearly the best path. You should do this, right? right. And we know that we can't do that. We have to sit with that discomfort. And yeah. best thing that you can do, honestly, if you can't control your teens, control yourself. That's what I tell parents all the time. Just model, 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 model what you want to see, model how the behavior that you'd like them to have, you model the values, right? And so that's probably because your kids are watching and they're paying attention. Whether or not they're actually admitting it, they're paying very close attention to everything that you do. Absolutely. Sounds ominous. <laughs> Sounds ominous. I didn't mean it to be so ominous. <laughs> but you know what? It's real. It's real. It's real. And, you know, don't worry. You're not like, I think some parents might hear that and be like, oh God, I'm going to have like a lot of therapy bills in my future. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I, adolescents rarely give you the satisfaction of knowing that your hard work is paying off in the short term, right? but they will down the road, right? Those seeds you're planting now germinate, grow, develop down the road and, and just, you know, stay patient, stay mindful, support yourself and, and also be, this is something we didn't say, but like, enjoy the time you have together. You know, we're, Kathy and I are working with a lot of seniors right now and their time at home is coming to a close in six, seven months. And so it's also a precious time. And I, we hope that some of the, the information we gave you today could help, you know, create these moments of joy and happiness and connection in your family as well as help you manage the more difficult moments. Well said, my friend. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Check out our website for resources and more information and other episodes. Thanks for listening to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. If you like what you're hearing and you have friends with teenagers, please share it with one of them. You can check out this episode and others on our website, wespeakteen.com. And we want to know what you want to know. So if you have questions or hot topics that you want us to cover, email us at hello at wespeakteen.com. 